Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Sunday afternoon, evening, Buffalo Bills Sunday football is back, and it's a Buffalo Bills football Sunday, victory Sunday, I should say. Buffalo Bills win 18-10, six field goals, what everybody dialed up, right, Ryan, against these New York Jets? Yeah, just what everyone was expecting against uh, the worst team in the NFL coming into this game, Uh, a game where you were expecting to see a little bit more from the offense, but... Like uh, Josh Allen said, they're 7-2. And like Sean McDermott said, every game in this league is tough. Yeah, so this is the (laughs) Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Uh, We are officially sponsored by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Shout out to them. I'm going to probably run over there in a little while so we can get ourselves a little uh, late night treat. We've been... These, these home games, working from home, are, they're just so weird. I go down to the stadium for the pregame show. Uh, we get that in down there with Josh Reed and Thad Brown uh, from Channel 4 and, and 8 in Rochester. And then I come racing home to to cover the game. And today now uh, I put the big screen in my bedroom to get away from the hustle and bustle. But the studio itself that I've made in my house is down here. So you'll hear some um, extracurriculars in the background. Um, but what's your? let's start here, Ryan. There's so much to talk about in this game. Uh, obviously, you know, storylines coming out, the defense getting right in a big way in the second half. Josh Allen, 300 yards in a game where the Bills don't score a single touchdown. And Tyler Bass, what's your uh, six of eight field goals? What was your big takeaway from this game? Uh, you know, a big takeaway for me is the red zone offense needs to get fixed. Uh, you, you moved the ball very well today against the Jets. And yes, I know it's the Jets, uh, but you wanted to see the Bills move the ball. And they were able to do that. Some were longer drives, some were some bigger chunk plays here and there, and they were able to get it. Some had to do with great starting field position, thanks to Andre Roberts. Bottom line is the Bills kind of shot themselves in the foot all game long with penalties, or um, they, they just couldn't execute on those third down plays. The Jets were dialing up the right plays on third down. The Bills couldn't execute when it mattered most. You know, Most games you cannot win in the NFL by only kicking field goals. They lucked out today. They were able to hold off the Jets. 
kudos to that defense. Like you said, they got right in the second half. Uh, they shut down just about anything and everything the Jets tried to do. So it, it was definitely an encouraging sign from that side of the ball. But there, there's a long way to go from this offense now, despite them moving the ball very well and the team not punting once in this game. Yeah, I tweeted that out there. It's a wild, wild stat. You you bring up the you know possession uh, tracker on, on the stat sheet and miss field goal, fumble, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, miss field goal, field goal, field goal, end of the game. This, this team finished every drive in the New York Jets territory. And, you know, when talking to Josh Allen after the game, uh, listening to him talk after the game, uh, I wasn't able to get a question in, but uh, you kind of saw that that kind of frustration a little bit on his face because it's like, yeah, we did execute pretty well. He was asked, what did the Jets do? Greg Williams' defense do? It, was it similar to what Tennessee did and Kansas City did? And they're like, yeah, they they played that zone defense. They took away down the field. We had to make things. We had to be patient and work our way down the field. And I thought they did a good job of that. And a guy that really showed up today, was, and they got him the ball today, was, was Cole Beasley. 12 targets, 11 catches, a season high, 112 receiving yards. He, to me, as long as John Brown is on the sideline, is so instrumental in how the Bills are going to move the ball on drives because Stephon Diggs, he's going to get so much attention in these games because you don't have that deep threat opposite him of John Brown. You have Dawson Knox, who I thought, you know, Tyler Croft, Hats off to him. He had a good game today. I saw you uh, f- very funny with the Daniel Jones tweet. I didn't think it was the same kind of play per se, but I always appreciate your comedic timing. Yeah, you know, couldn't keep the footing. I, like I said, the old turf monster got him just like it did Jones. You're right, and it wasn't the same play. I mean, Jones should have run in, no problem. He had his footing for how, you know that the majority of the run just lost at the end. Croft jumped up in the air and kind of lost his balance from the get-go, so not the same at all. Uh, but but going to Cole Beasley, Beasley was phenomenal. And, you know, it, it's hard to just pick one good play from Beasley today, but if I had to pick one, it would be right before halftime, where he not only caught that Josh Allen pass, but he dove ahead to get the Bills right into field goal range right before half, uh, where they could then cut the lead to 10-6. to six. So he's just very smart, very savvy when he gets the ball in his hands. He knows when to get down. He knows exactly where the Bills need to go with the ball. And like you said, uh, the execution was there, 11 out of 12 in terms of targets. Uh, The the one thing I will say about Josh Allen is as the game went on, I I do think he started to take what the defense would would give him. I liked a lot of those quick passes out into the flat, the little drop-offs, the the drop-offs to the running backs, you name it. Early in the game, though, he tried to get a little greedy with Stefan Diggs, and he had a a ball go off of Pierre Desaire's hands. And he tried to go to... Gabe Davis, I believe, in the end zone, and that went off of uh, the other cornerback's hands and could have been an interception. So he's got to still – I get he's your number one wide receiver. You want to get him the ball, but you do have to be smart in these games. Uh, we know that when the Bills turn it over, it usually does not lead to wins at the end of the day. So be smart with the football. Allen's only turnover today. I, I'm not going to necessarily say it's on him. He was hit hard after a missed block. Um, and that's going to happen to NFL quarterbacks. You know, you saw Darnold try to run and scramble in this game, and Hughes stripped him of the ball earlier in the game. So it happens. It wasn't necessarily one of his his fault where he was running wildly with it. So overall, up and down day in terms of execution, but moving the ball, the Bills' offense was fantastic. 
Five sacks on the day for this Bills defense, led by Jerry Hughes. Two sacks. He went into this game looking for his first sack and delivered in a big way. Two quarterback hits, one tackle for a loss, an interception, uh, a pass deflection, a forced fumble. This was an absolutely monster game for Jerry Hughes. And respect to him because he's a guy this week when he, you know, all these guys, the guys that are out there week in and week out, Micah Hyde, Jerry Hughes, having to answer for a lot of the struggles. He was out there and kind of put it on his own back and said, listen, I need to be better. You know, I need to go out there and I need to make plays. I mean, we've talked about it a few times. This defensive line across the board, they make a lot of money. I mean, Trent Murphy's making nearly $10 million a year. Trent, uh, Jerry Hughes over $10 million. Mario Addison over $10 million. They gave uh, Vernon Butler a nice contract. They have some pieces on this defensive line that are being compensated, and you have to go out there and earn that. And I thought from the, I thought that you know, first thing I'll say, hat tip to Trent Murphy. I thought that he brought some aggression early on in this game, uh, combined for a sack with AJ Vanessa. But then over the course of the game, we saw what I think a lot of uh, the film analysts have been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Jerry Hughes still stands out on tape. It just those sack numbers weren't there today. I felt like he he reached another level. And, and really brought it for them. Yeah, Hughes was dominant. He was outstanding. Like I said, the strip fumble in the game that the Jets ultimately recovered. Late in the game w- w- when they couldn't take any sacks, you know, the Bills came in one with Marlowe, uh, but then Hughes gets another one. Then he gets the interception to seal the game. He was absolutely dominant on uh, on Sunday against the Jets. I thought that entire defensive line, though, played pretty well today as well. So a little tip of the cap to them because they've really struggled. Like you said, Trent Murphy, you know, inactive, healthy scratch last week, uh, had a sack in week one against the Jets, gets credited with half a sack in this one. We saw Addison get in there. We saw Ed Oliver make some splash plays. A.J. Epinesa, I thought, really flashed at times today, too. So, uh, and was it Vernon Butler that tipped the pass that Hughes ultimately intercepted? Mm. Or am I? Uh, I'm going to give you, I was, I was, I was writing fast at that point. So I'm trying to remember if it was Jefferson or Butler, one or the other, Uh, either way, they made a play on the ball too. So yeah, I mean, the Bills had, the Bills had six pass deflections today. That's as a group, just talking about that. We're talking about making plays. Those are big plays for a defense that hasn't been able to really turn the ball over a ton even just getting your hands on the ball. And we'll talk about one guy in particular that made a huge statement today. And we can maybe transition to him at this point. Let's go right into Dane Jackson. Cause I saw you, 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 you posted a question in here. what did you think about my main man, Dane Jackson? I have a story about Dane Jackson. Yeah. I'm, I'm always the first one to, you know, raise my hand when I'm wrong or make a mistake. Cause I think that's the best way to, move forward and like, you know, learn from your mistakes. And I think somebody, and luckily for me, I didn't, I, I didn't respond to this tweet. So I don't, there's no receipts per se, but somebody tweeted at me the other day and said, the bills coaching staff is hiding Dane Jackson on the practice squad because they don't want another, uh, or they don't want to admit that the guys that they are playing, Josh Norman, Levi Wallace, Saran Neal, maybe whoever the case would have been, uh, weren't as good as Dane Jackson. And I kind of laughed at it and I was kind of like, listen, I watched him in training camp. It looked like he was a little bit out of his depth. I asked Sean McDermott on Friday, what were your thoughts on Dane Jackson? Because we haven't seen him at all. There's a chance he could play. And lo and behold, Josh Norman is out. We get to game day. Everybody is active except for Josh Norman. And Dane Jackson gets the call over Cam Lewis, who didn't play, who probably was only going to play in an emergency. And then Saran Neal, did not did not play on the, uh, that outside corner spot. That's that was my thought process going in, into the game. That's why I thought would play there. Dane Jackson comes out. He makes a play on the first series, a huge pass breakup, 
with the Bills back uh, backed up against their own end zone, forces them to, to kick the field goal. And then obviously the big interception, only the second interception. That's another thing. The, the broadcast got that wrong. That was the second interception by a Bills defensive uh, back the second this season. I know big, big news there, but Levi Wallace had a pick in the, in the Rams game. What a huge performance by Dane Jackson. And it's, and it's a big importance because if they can get that kind of level of play from cornerback too, if you can have him maybe unseat Josh Norman, your seventh round draft pick pick, that could be a huge deal for this defense. Yeah. And, and first, so let, let's pump the brakes here a little bit. It was one game. It was against the jets, but he looked fantastic. I'm going to give him that. Pass breakup on Denzel Mims, opening drive where the Jets are just moving with ease down the down the field. So to make them kick a field goal there was extremely huge, especially when you look at the final score here, where you know it was eighteen to ten, and, and a touchdown wouldn't have been the difference maker. But the Bills would have played a little bit differently had they trailed fourteen nothing, whatever the case may have been at uh, at that point. So he makes a big play there. He makes the interception on a terrible Sam Darnold play. You know, for as as good as I think Sam Darnold can be. That interception before halftime was atrocious. I have no idea what he saw. Uh, pretty much threw it to Jackson, but to Jackson's credit, he was in the right spot. He made the play. You need to see that from your cornerbacks. Now, is he better than Josh Norman? Is he better than Levi Wallace? Is he better than Saran Neal, Cam Lewis? The, the list goes on and on. We don't know. It's too small of a sample size, but this was encouraging. We needed to see a cornerback step up on Sunday, and one did. Uh, the fact that they're able to get him in the seventh round, that kind of goes to the scouting department and the job that they do in terms of finding these guys and looking for guys that have those NFL traits in, in the later rounds. Now, like you said, Cam Lewis, he had a big club on his hand all week, probably was not going to get in unless he was needed, unless you needed to play him. He may have ended up being inactive in this game had it not been for, um, you know, the all the everything that happened right before game day where you have all the tight ends that go on the COVID reserve list, things like that. It could have really adjusted the roster and what the bills are planning on doing there. So he stepped up bottom line. I mean, I'm encouraged to see what he does with his next opportunity. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to have a, a, a fair chance to have that opportunity soon because we don't know when, when Levi's or when Levi's coming back, he's still on the IR. Josh Norman had, suffering that injury again. We don't know when he's going to be good to go. So, you know, coming in next week now against New England, uh, I just watched Cam Newton throw an interception. He's not playing good football. He overshot a target in the game that should have been an easy completion. So maybe Jackson fares well in that matchup too, and maybe there is something to it. It wasn't that long ago the Bills had it. Levi Wallace as their number two as an undrafted free agent rookie who came in and settled in as the year went on. Maybe that is what Jackson does, but we're also still, uh, you know, a week and a half or so uh, away from the trade deadline. The Bills could also try to find someone there. You know, I want to get into this a little bit because I, I went on WGR this morning and I heard them talking a little bit about what, before I went on, about what this game, you know, is for fans. You know, what does it need to be in terms of how the Bills perform in this spot? And, you know, there's a, there's that crowd that a win is a win is a win. And then there's that crowd that going into this game was, all right, this is a get-right game against a really bad Jets team. You go out there and you absolutely pound them. And that's not really what happened. I, I think that the defense pounded them in the second half. The offense, surprisingly, really moved the ball well throughout this game. Uh, aside from that shaky start by Josh Allen, which you had mentioned, you know, the numbers really tell a different story than 
even the game that I felt like I watched 422 yards of total offense. They want to be better on third down three of 11. That's never good. They did not execute in the red zone, obviously over five, but the ball was moved up and down the, the field on this Jets defense as you should. So you take that, you know, uh, at face value, a fourth game this year with no interception by, by Josh Allen. So did they dominate? No, but I still think you come out of this game at least with a sense of confidence that when your team doesn't have the best thing going for itself, or it, 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 they didn't have their best stuff today um, on either side of the ball, because on the defensive side of the ball in the first half, Frank Gore was kind of running at will. I wrote a little bit about that in my observations, but you come back, you find a way to win on the road, a division game. I think you take something from that. I don't necessarily think that the world has to come to an end that the bills didn't go in there and smash the jets today, but uh, your rebuttal. No, I actually agree with that. And, and like I and like I was said earlier in the show, penalties really hurt the Bills when they'd get down deep. They, they'd suffer some kind of penalty. They, then they'd have an offensive lineman move or jump or little things like that. They would drive you back. And at one point it was uh, second and 25 and then third and 18. They, they were getting themselves – they were moving the ball and then they were getting themselves in bad spots. And uh, at the end of the day, it's hard to execute. I know, you know, some teams have executed on those long third down plays against the Bills this season, but the Bills haven't necessarily been able, weren't able to do that today. Or even on the third and short, the Jets just dialed up the right plays. But it's kind of hard to sit there and say that the Bills also didn't have a good game. They threw for over 300 yards. They rushed for over 125. Second half, uh, the defense was dominant, so the Bills were on the field a lot more in terms of that time of possession. Uh so it would be a completely different game if there was no illegal formation on the Gabriel Davis touchdown. It would be a completely different game if Beasley hadn't stepped out of bounds and showed amazing body control and hauled in the next pass. You know, it's just a little, it's one or two plays that can make a game look like it got away from one team, but that never happened today for Buffalo to make that one or two plays to make the score look more lopsided than it really was in the second half. So at the end of the day, it is a win. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty. Uh, but they did execute. The one big complaint that I would have if I were a Bills fan sitting at home is why are you not running the ball early in the game? Mm -hmm. uh, midway through the second half, I believe, is when they had their first handoff of the game. So that, that's a little worrisome. I know that they said, oh, the Jets have a great run defense. Listen, I get it. They do. But you still have to test that run defense. You still have to see what your running backs can do. And guess what? When you gave Zach Moss the ball today, the guy averaged almost seven yards per carry. Uh, even on some of those shorter gains, he kept his legs moving and he grinded ahead and he took a, a, third, a second and four play three yards when I think he, he kind of drove the, the pile here about two yards to make it a manageable third and one. I thought he had his best game by far of his career. Uh, and I wouldn't be shocked if he has more touches than Devin Singletary next week, but I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here. Uh, get the run game more involved, show some balance, because if you're just going to sit back there and let Allen throw early in games, defenses are going to adjust quickly, whether it's the Patriots next week, whether it's the Seahawks, whoever is remaining on the schedule. And there's some really tough matchups left on the schedule. I want to dive a little bit more into that. I got a, a, a little uh, take, a little, not even like a, a rant, but we'll get into it after a quick word from our sponsor. Ready for football? Topses with ready-to-serve fan favorites everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops. All right. If you listen to our podcast, our videos, our anything that, you know, our, our radio hits over the years, 
you know, I've been a, a pretty big proponent for what Brian Dable has done with this offense and his development of Josh Allen. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of his. I think that he does a really nice job. I think that, you know, a lot of the credit early on this season, that first month goes to him and his creativity as a play caller. But the one kind of thing that, that sticks with me over these three years, my, the one bugaboo that I have with him is that sometimes I feel like whether it be a skew towards the run or a skew towards the pass, there's times when he kind of gets very stagnant in his play calling where he'll go, you know, he'll say, okay, we're going up against a really good Jets defense today. We are going to go out there and we are going to attack uh, uh, them through the, through the air because they're so good against the run. Well, he goes to just the pass for the first quarter and it's almost at the team's detriment. And I think that that kind of um, what happens there is that they struggle then to get into a rhythm um, over the course of the game. And I feel like as things we mentioned, Josh's struggles at the beginning of the game, I think you could have maybe mitigated some of that if you had gone to the run game a little bit early and then. You know, you, you you fast forward to the second half, and when they have a drive going at one point, they I think they 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 run a twelve yard run. I th- I believe it was Moss. Awesome. Oh no, it was Singletary. He had a twelve yard run, and then a five yard run, and then a one yard run. And it's like, okay, you know, mix it up a little bit at times. And listen, this is a, a small complaint. I still have been, you know, I still give uh, Brian Dable very high marks, not only this year but for his tenure in Buffalo. Buffalo, but that's just one thing that I just think that. Sometimes he goes too much to the well, you know, in the same well too often. I agree 100% with that. I think he's done a great job overall. And I know some people on social media in that first half where the Bills are trailing were saying, oh, yeah, what happened with, with Dayball being this hot head coaching candidate? He still will be at the end of the season if the Bills are in the playoffs. Uh, if Josh Allen continues to throw for almost 70%, you know, can you question what he does in these games just like today? 100%. Uh, can you question what he does in the red zone sometimes? Absolutely. Uh, and, I, you know, I did not like that he didn't get the backs involved early in these games. Now, it's a lot better than those old teams that where uh, Dick Duran was the head coach and it was run, run, pass, run, run, pass, and was as predictable uh, as can be. But you got to mix it up. You got to get the running back. If it's if it's second and manageable, give the back the, the ball there because you have Josh Allen on third who can run or throw with the ball. Uh, there's definitely some plays where I think Dable will go back and he'll say, okay, I really probably should have gotten Moss involved here. Uh, you could see the Jets were kind of sitting back and waiting for the pass in this play. So hopefully he goes back and he adjusts. It's really important that uh, the Bills do that because, like I just said a few minutes ago, this schedule is going to get tough and fast, and you need to have a balanced offense. Uh, one, just to kind of get them moving a little bit, keep defenses on their toes. But two, I, I think some of these games coming up, time of possession will be huge and if you're just throwing the ball all over the yard all day you're not going to necessarily be able to control that uh, time of possession which is going to be big against some of those high scoring offenses that are still on the schedule where you want to keep them on the sidelines as long as possible I didn't ask Josh today in the post game press conference because I think it's a better Wednesday question about okay they did a lot of the same things that Tennessee and Kansas City did they're a good defense no doubt about it but when is the the switch going to be flipped where you're still able to adapt to what they're doing, make an adjustment and still make plays down the field? Because that's going to have to continue. This can't just be the blueprint on Josh Allen and this offense. And that's something that, 
you know, I want to kind of reserve that conversation until Wednesday because I want to ask him a little bit about that and be like, okay, now that you've seen this for the third straight game and it's still at least the downfield stuff's not working. Where's the adjustment? What do you have to do better? Now, one thing I will say, Mitch Morse was very um, apologetic. He was very uh, forthright in, uh, in taking the responsibility on himself and said, I didn't do a good job protecting the quarterback today. There was too much of the time today where I looked in the backfield and guys had beat me and Josh Allen was getting hit. And so, you know, that's a big piece of this as well. I think the struggles that the bills are having that the pocket looks a lot different the last three weeks than it did the first four weeks. Yeah. And you have Mitch Morse and next to him is Ike Butker uh, because there's, there's some changes there. You have Brian Winters who is really up and down leading up to the regular season this year. Uh, the right guard until John Feliciano returns. So, you know, Morse being the, the veteran being the, the kind of the leader of that offensive line, He's going to take the blame. He's going to put that on himself. But th- there were some pockets that were not clean for Allen where he had to sidestep pressure. But we've seen Allen do that so much in his career. It's almost second nature now, and you don't want it to become a, a thing of habit. You want there to be great blocking in front of him consistently um, so he can have that clean pocket scan the field, which it, that did happen a few times today. So, you know, a lot of up and down things. I love. I would love to hear what he says to that question on Wednesday because this has been the blueprint for opposing teams. Hey, here's what we're going to do. Let's see if Allen can beat us now. Allen, they, they, you know, technically beat the, the Jets today with that offense, throwing for 307 yards, rushing re, uh, really well with the ball, but he wasn't able to punch the ball in for a, a touchdown. Now, does that change when John Brown comes back? I, I would like to think so, because then you have another guy that can stretch the field that can uh, get big, large chunk plays. Um, you know, Dawson Knox, as frustrating as he can be, with catches, with turnovers, they're missing that athleticism probably at the tight end position. So, you, you know, it, it's he's missing some pieces, but at the same time, you don't want to just see Josh Allen perform when everyone else around him is healthy. He does have to kind of carry this team on his back at times. And, and while it was good enough today, I don't know how many games it's going to be good enough where you, you score 18 points all via field goal. All right, I have a little bit of breaking news. I asked Tyler Bass what is up with the one eye black because I, I that's something that I've seen the last couple of weeks, and I've just been like, "You didn't go to LSU? Like, what what's going on here with this one eye black?" And he he basically said it's it's a swag effect. Like he just wants to feel a little bit extra confident. He goes out there, it gives him a little extra uh, motivation. Uh, and so anybody that was wondering about that, that's the reasoning behind why he does wear the one eye black. But a huge day for him today. And it's some it's so fitting that he got eight field goal attempts today because I was talking on the pregame show about, you know, me and Thad were going back and forth a little bit on, you know, whether or not this should be a concern uh with you know his early season struggles. And I was like, you know, I get it. And I and I even get it even further when you look today and he misses two field goals. Um, but I, I also wonder how much has his lack of opportunities, lack of reps in live game action impacted things from that perspective. And so I asked him today, point blank, I'm like, okay, you get out there today, eight field goal attempts uh, in one game. How mu- how important is that for your confidence and just going through it? And he said it was huge. And so now I think that the, the clock really starts on Tyler Bass. Now everything that happens from this point on is where uh, one of the questions in here was MVP or GOAT. Uh, on Bassomatic, he calls him. And I and I had to say MVP today. He was the only guy that scored points. But from here on out, I think that you judge him a little bit differently because now he's been out there. He's been in it. He's felt the pressure uh, of big kicks. And 
And really in the long term, Ryan, this could be really, really good for Tyler Bass. What happened today? Yeah, all those opportunities. And I, I was going to call him the most valuable goat uh, because he he did make <laughs> six of the eight. So most valuable in that regard. Now he he kept the Jets in it, though. I mean, if he kick, converts all of them, then this game is put away a little bit earlier. Um, so it, it's a little concerning that he's he missed one of the shorter kicks. Um, some of the other ones, you know, you kind of hold in your breath if you're a Bills fan until you see it actually go through because the ball shifts a little bit uh, from left to right or right to left when he kicks it. So you're wondering, okay, is this going to hold on? Yes or no. But like you said, he scored all the points for this team today. So he, he is still one of the most valuable players. They don't win this game without him. So, you know, Bills fans, relax. Social media, oh my goodness. After that first missed kick, I had some Section 6 Western New York kicker saying, the Bills should bring him in to compete against Bass. Settle down, guy. I'm sure you were great in high school. I'm sure there's a team that's going to give you a call at some point this season. Uh, but let the Bills kind of ride with their rookie a little bit. There's going to be some ups and downs. And I think the Bills even acknowledged that when he ended up beating Hauschka. And I had other people saying, oh, yeah, we really miss Hauschka. Well, then you didn't watch Hauschka's one game with Jacksonville. And I'm not trying to beat up on this guy because he was very valuable to Buffalo when he was here. But he, he missed, I think it was a 29-yarder and then a 40-some-yard kick. He he kicked short. He kicked it short. So in the elements in Buffalo, you know, Hauschka would not have survived this year. There's not much out there. I'll be the first to acknowledge that. You can bring in some kickers if you want to add a guy to your practice squad uh, to add some pressure maybe, to add some competition. But you're not going to find anything better out there than Bass right now. These are the growing pains you have to live with. Uh, it happens. And over time, you hope he becomes consistent. It's it's kind of like the Dustin Hopkins. Now, Hopkins, when he was in Buffalo, he didn't make the team because of injuries. But when he did make it with Washington, there were some ups and downs a little bit. And now he's one of the better kickers or had been one of the better kickers entering this season. So you got to kind of ride this out. Don't give up on this guy after he misses one kick. I know he missed two on the day, but after that first one, oh my goodness, I thought Twitter was going to go down with all the reaction. So be patient. You know, it's it's also kind of on the offense to score touchdowns and not make him kick eight field goals in a game. So there, there, there's plenty of blame to go around. I felt the angst in, within Bill's Mafia during this game. And, and as the as the first half was happening, and you really, you get to halftime, and what was the halftime score, 10-6 or 10-3? 10-6. 10-6. And, you know, really, you, you look at it as bad as the defense, as bad as things seem because the offense wasn't really scoring, the run game was really going well for the Jets in the first half. You'd you'd think that the game was completely different based on the reaction on social media. But I think that that just speaks to the expectations that people have for this team. And, you know, I kind of asked Josh about this on Friday and I said, you know, there's some people that are tweeting after those two games about like losing faith in this team. And, and he basically just said like, this is, this is, one small stretch of a, of a season. And this is a team on both sides of the ball. That's still learning about itself and with, with no preseason. And I know that we keep harping on that, but it's important. So I think as this thing goes along, you'll see a little bit more, a couple stats here. Um, the bills defense only allowed four yards in the second half, marking mm-hmm. the fewest yards allowed in the second half by a bills team since 2000, which is impressive. Um, Josh Allen threw for 307 yards. That marks the fourth 300 yard game of this season, obviously. And he becomes the fourth Bills QB to have four such games in one season and the first since Drew Bledsoe in 2002. How bad has this position been for the Buffalo Bills over the last two decades? I mean, I just, 
you know, scroll through the highlights in my head, the Trent Edwards, JP Lawson, Lossman, EJ Manuel, Kyle Orton, you name them. I mean, it has just been one heck of a bad run at quarterback. And then you're forgetting some of these guys that had spot starts, the Jeff tools of the world. The ah, Brian, yes. Brian Brown. I will never, I wish Twitter was more, po- I don't even know if Twitter was around. When Brian Brown was with the bills. It might've been, but I wish it was more popular. I, I feel like MySpace was all the rage at this time. There were some fans that were convinced Brian Brown was going to be the guy. It didn't happen. And, and I know, you know, when he came out, there was some hype around him. He was terrible. Uh, you had Thad, Thad Lewis. As long as he was playing Miami, that guy was going to ball out. But anyone else, you know, he kind of hit a wall, except for Cincinnati. He had a really good game against uh, Cincinnati, too, to let him into overtime. Don't know why I remember such useless things, but I do. Um, you know, <laughs> quarterback play has been atrocious, though, over the years. They they have not been able to find the guy. Uh, AVP, Alex Van Pell, I don't know. I don't want these fans going into therapy this week. They're going to be hurting if I name all of them. So I'll stop there. But, yeah, it, it's been a struggle uh, when, you know, when you probably sit there and say Kyle Orton's been your best quarterback since Bledsoe left before Josh Allen, whew, what does that really say about this team in that position? So Josh Allen, his development continues. He threw for almost 70% completion rate again today. Um, a few plays he'd like to have back. I wish he would have handed that ball off to Zach Moss on 31 late. I wonder if that was just his own decision. He was going to go for it no matter what. So, But, yes, you have legitimate quarterback play now. Don't give up on this team after two bad games. I'm not saying the Bills are comparable with the Chiefs, so you know, don't beat me up too bad for this. But the Chiefs lost back-to-back games last year after a 4-0 start. The, it happens to the best teams. So it's going to happen to a team like the Bills, who, like you said, are still trying to figure things out. Um, I'm going to look in the, the comments here before we get out of here because I think that there were a few questions that you had marked here. Let's talk about two of them in particular. First off, Harrison Phillips was benched again this week. Uh, I thought he would get back in the lineup um, just from, uh, you know, wanting to be a little bit better in the middle against the run. I thought the Bills handled themselves pretty well. Like, let's be honest, though, this this Jets offense is terrible. So even the first half, like a bit like the, the way that they ran the ball in the Bills in the first half, you never want to see that happen. Um, but I thought over the course of the game, obviously the way that they played in the second half, things to build upon. I still think that, you know, you, you put up a couple candidate trade candidates up on the site. We'll, we'll handle a few more of those this week. Um, Tim settle from Washington and, and Dalvin Tomlinson from the giants. I do think the bills could really benefit from adding a big body nose tackle into the mix here. Um, I don't even know where I was. Oh, Harrison Phillips. So Harrison Phillips benched for the second straight game. And I got a bunch of texts today about, you know, what's going on with him because, you know, People are attached to him a little bit. You know what I mean? I I think that the work that he does in the community, the way that he is on social media, I think fans genuinely care about him, want him to succeed. And when you see that, and I basically said, listen, I don't think he's going to be traded as I think uh, that was the comment here. Will Will Harrison be traded? But what I do think is happening is they got him out there for the first six games of the season, five games of the season, realized that he wasn't really ready for the kind of um, snap share that maybe they needed from that spot. And they decided to dial things back a little bit. It, and it also, you know, in the meantime, Justin Zimmer's playing some pretty good football. At least last week he did. We'll see what the tape reveals. I don't know if you had any impressions, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't race to that conclusion yet that the bills are just ready to be done with Harrison Phillips. I'm not ready to race there yet, but, and uh, hat tip to Joe B because he was the first to mention it. I wouldn't be shocked if they traded him a la Zay Jones, where they said, okay, listen, 
you know, he may not be back to 100% yet, but he may he may also not be what we're looking for at that one technique position where what in terms of what we need from him because, you know, we elevate Justin Zimmer off the practice squad, this veteran, and he comes in, and although he's, he's kind of playing out of his role, we've had some other guys kind of playing out of their role, they're performing a lot better. And last week, Zimmer shut down the run uh, against Kansas City when he was in there on those run plays. And uh, like you said, I didn't notice him as much today, but the defensive line as a whole played pretty well in that second half. So uh, I'll be interested to go back and watch that game, see how they fared. So, you know, it might just be one of those scenarios where they're like, we like this guy. He, he bought into the system. He's everything that we want, but he just doesn't fit right now. And if they, especially if they do end up bringing in uh, uh, one tech via uh, trade, whether it's Tomlinson Settle or someone else that's out there, well, then maybe just kind of cut ties and hope that he can find a better fit, whether that's via trade or, or release. And, you know, I get it. He, he is a fan favorite. You don't want to see the fan favorites go like that, but you don't just keep players around to keep them around. If you feel like you can upgrade the position and it doesn't fit your scheme, let, you know, see what you can get from first and foremost. But then if there's no role for him and you need those roster spots, part ways with the guy, you hate to see it, but it happens in this league all the time. I think this is a weird year also though, that you, there might be some options with Phillips. You know, he is a guy that's bought into the system. And if you feel like he's not there physically, I think that there's a scenario where they could cut him if they do make a trade and bring him back on the practice squad for a year and just go that route with it. Because I still think that, you know, Sean McDermott, I always go back to this term that he uses development. And I think that it is a little bit unfair now they're in a different situation as a franchise they don't really have time to wait on 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 some guys at this point but i think that for phillips coming off of a second acl i i would expect that there would be some runway that he would need to get back to the form that he was playing at at the beginning of last season and so and and i go back also to and i know sometimes fans don't want to hear this but I think that you look at what he brings from a leadership perspective. He's a guy as a second year player that was tasked with leading Ed Oliver, who was, who was basically the same age as him. And he, he welcomed into the locker room and, and kind of was, was, was asked to show him the ropes and, and, and mentor him. And, sh- and, and so I just think that there is a desire to keep that around, but you know, we could talk more about this. Definitely not a good sign that he was inactive for a, a second straight week. Uh, there was another one I wanted to get to here. One, one thing, oh, one God, thing while you're finding that the one other thing I'll say to your point is remember how patient they were with Trent Murphy. Murphy was coming off of an ACL injury with the Washington football team. When they signed him as a free agent, they kind of came in and said, you know, we knew that in his first year, he wasn't going to produce uh, th- those huge stats that that he was kind of flashing that season before uh, leading up to the to the year where they suffered the ACL injury with Washington. So they have shown patience in the past. This might be another case of that where they're like, he's just not back to where he needs to be yet. We need to give him some time off on the sidelines. So yeah, they, they might keep him around and just try to ease him back to get him back to full house, uh, full health. So let's go ahead and look into this next question though. Uh, another stat too, the Bills sent out a little stat sheet uh, that they usually do after wins like this. Um, Sean McDermott tallied his 30th win as a Bills head coach, passing Wade Phillips for the fourth most in team history. So a little note there. Hate to jump ahead, Elvin McLaughlin says, but we really need to win next week to make a statement. Anyone agree? Well, I'm not so sure about the statement, but I think that they need to win because 
as we're watching, uh, or at least as last time I checked, I, I, I've seen you kind of looking off to the side. So I think, <laughs> oh yeah, 23 to three. Okay. Yikes. So it's looking like New England potentially here could fall to, will it be two and four? Two and five. Uh, yes, two and four if they lose today. The Bills would be five and two, three games um, in the win column ahead of the Patriots. That to me is a game where you can absolutely pound out the Patriots in a lot of ways. You know, from a mentality standpoint, from a confidence standpoint, I mean, they're already kind of on the ropes. That's the type of game that you show up as a heavyweight and, and you go out and you knock a guy out early and take him out. Now, does this Bills team have it in them to do that? It's going to be Josh Allen against Bill Belichick again. We know what the history is there. This defense has struggled. Can they keep? Can they continue the trend and keep Cam Newton neutralized? This offense, which is devoid of playmakers, they have some very, very big misses on their offensive line. I think all those things are in play. I think this is as close to me as a must-win game because we're right there, right? That five and two mark where teams in the past have you know gotten off to a good start and then started their nosedive. I almost feel like. The Bills kind of did this. They trended up, trended up. Now they've trended down, trended down. Now it's time to spike back up. And I think this is an opportunity. And so maybe I've talked myself into it, Ryan. This is a statement game. I think that this could be uh, you know, a real confidence builder for the Bills to go in next week and knock off the Patriots and decide go in, host the Patriots, and, and win decisively. Yeah, you know the old saying, you, you never kick them when they're down. Kick them when the Patriots are down. Kick them, drop the elbow off the top rope. Do whatever you need to do when they're down like this and they're struggling and they are struggling today. Uh, I was just going to say, I don't even know. Maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but I wouldn't be shocked if Cam Newton is not under center for the Patriots in this game. He's struggling. He missed a wide open receiver that could have gone for a big game. Now he was he was bailed out by the worst roughing the quarterback penalty I've ever seen. Uh, offensive lineman threw a 49er player into Cam Newton's toe. Cam Newton kind of fell over. And they, they called the penalty. It was bad. Uh, he threw a, a really bad interception on a drop-off play. He's not playing good football. But that said, you know, yeah, this would be a statement win because, one, it moves you to 6-2, and two, but it moves you to 4-0 and oh in the AFC East. That would be huge. And we all know over the last two decades how much of a thorn in the side Bill Belichick and this Patriots team has been for Buffalo. So they need this win. Just from, a, I would almost think, a psychological standpoint. Based on what I've seen from Newton, if he is the starting quarterback, you're going to sell out and play the run against this Patriots team. Dare him to beat him with uh, with their arm. And and one last thing, Sean McDermott knows knows Cam Newton better than maybe any other quarterback in this league. So I really do think that he's going to have something uh, game plan to kind of slow him down, whether it's as a rusher or a passer. And this defense is going to enter the game with a lot of confidence after they shut down the Jets completely in the second half. Yeah, there's your good buddy there, Lone Wolf on YouTube. He says, uh, take the path to Suplex City. I, I'm sure you will appreciate that reference. There's a couple questions in here. We'll we'll answer a couple of them. Thanks, guys, so much for watching. This is the Shout Bills football podcast on the heels of a Buffalo Bills 18-10 win over the New York Jets, who, who go to 0-7 on the season. Bills, obviously, to 5-2. and um, Any way the Bills offense can evolve with teams taking away the deep pass. Let me just warn you don't minimize the loss of John Brown. 
I, I think that that has been not only evident in the games he hasn't played in two of the last three, but even in the game that he played hobbled with obviously the knee really affecting him. This offense just didn't look the same. And that's one of the big things we talked about going into the season. Stefan Diggs has been banging the drum at how underappreciated, under, undervalued John Brown is in the league. We're seeing it play out. I, I think the deep shots are there because you can't cover downfield Stefan Diggs and um, John Brown. And so to not have one of those weapons, I think you, I would reserve that kind of judgment. until so they're both in healthy in the lineup and the Bills still aren't able to attack downfield. Yeah, but can they evolve? Absolutely. And you do what the Bills did in the second half. You hit those short passes. If you're consistently hitting the, the short passes, getting five, six, seven yards, moving the chains, well, then the defense kind of has to bring it in a little bit. But that also goes back to something we said earlier in the show. You need to run the ball. If you can run the ball with success and you can hit those shorter passes with success, the bigger plays will start to open up again because defenses will start to sell out the run. They'll start to play up a little bit to try to stop those short gains. So it, it all goes together. If Allen wants to get that deep ball back, he's got to do what we saw in the second half, take those shorter gains, be accurate with the ball, which he did a very nice job of. Uh, run game going a little bit earlier. Yes, this offense can evolve and become more well-rounded and beat you in the short game and the deep game, but they have to show teams first that you can beat them in those areas. Last one, just plain and simple. Can the Bills stop the run? I think we saw some signs today, the way that they improved in the second half. Now, this is one of the least um, fear, uh, the, the one of the least imposing running games in the NFL. Frank Gore and, you know, respectable Michael P. Ryan, but, you know, a, a lower round rookie is not going to send fear into any um, defensive coordinator's heart. But I do think that we saw some signs today. getting Matt Milano back, even on a limited basis, he split time, didn't play the whole game. AJ Klein was still out there quite a bit, but his speed, quickness, athleticism, it really pops. And I think it helps Tremaine Edmonds. I'm still seeing, you know, some firing errors when it comes to Edmonds, when he's shooting the wrong gap or making the wrong decision. I think that that's just something you're going to have to deal with. And I think that those things will improve with Edmonds when you get this defense whole as much as possible, especially the most important piece I've noticed for Edmonds is getting a chance to play next to Milano. Cause when he's there, I think that I think Edmonds plays better. Yeah, I agree completely with that. You know, I, I just think Edmonds also needs a little bit of a confidence booster and he had a ball that bounced off his hands. that could have been an easy interception in this game. I think that could have helped him out a little bit. He had a second one where he kind of dove for the ball. He didn't have a great shot on that one. Uh, but when you have Milano out there, they've been together for so long. The communication is there. They know exactly where the other one's going to be, and, and that probably frees you up a little bit. It allows you to play a little more loosely. Um, and, and then, you know, can they stop the run? Well, let's just say they go back and add a one technique by a trade early this week, maybe today, kind of like what the Buccaneers did last Sunday where they added uh, – they traded for a player on Sunday. So I believe I believe he could play this Sunday because of that COVID protocol and knowing the system. So if the Bills can add a guy in here that they feel, hey, we can get this guy in, get him in for the second half of the stretch, be that true one technique that can stop the run, that frees things up for Edmonds. That frees things up for Milano. They don't have to think as much back there. And that's something that we saw Star Latulale do. They weren't lying when they said Latulale, his impact wouldn't show up on the stat sheet. It didn't, but what he did freed things up for the linebackers, made life easier for the defensive line. And we're starting to see some signs of that based on the rotations that we're getting up front. But if they can add a true one technique, well, I think Edmonds can really come on in the second half of this season. Indeed. 
Guys, thank you so much for watching today. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. We went, we went way longer than I thought we were going to go, but you know, we have such an active comment section. It's you guys make it so fun. Please find us on the audio platform platforms, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all of them. Rate, review, subscribe, if you will. Uh, really helps us out. Uh, I saw Jason ask about the UFC fight uh, yesterday, Habib Nurmagomedov. Whoa, what a performance. Absolutely amazing. It was very crazy to see him uh, retire after the fight. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed uh, my conversation with John Anik the other day, my man. Uh, uh, what, what a great broadcaster he is. And, and we had some fun talking Bills, New England Patriots. I think you'll like what he said about that. And, of course, the UFC. We will be back on Wednesday, our normal time, 7, 7.38, somewhere in that range. We're going to make it work. I don't have a guest yet, but we will definitely line that up shortly. Keep an eye out on my social media. Ryan's social media will announce that. And until then, enjoy the rest of your football Sunday. Your Buffalo Bills win 18-10 to 10 over the Jets. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. Keep it locked on to Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com for all your Bills coverage. Have a great night, everyone. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town, in-store, or online to win.